This is the Nerds Adulting Podcast, a show by nerds for everyone. If you would like to know more, please go to our website, nerdsadulting.com, or you can follow me on Twitch, Instagram, or Twitter at pistolpete underscore nap. If you would like to support the pod, please check out our Patreon where donators can get t-shirts, pins, or stickers. Also, don't forget to join the Discord to join our awesome community of nerds. Check the description for all of the links. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nerds Adulting Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peter. I am joined once again by Josh. Today, we will be talking about the 30th anniversary of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. But first of all, Josh, how are you doing on this fine Retro Sunday Funday? I am doing very well, Peter. How are you? I'm uh, looking forward to today's episode. Yes, me too. I'm super pumped, as always. I'm... We were discussing about what to do, and I was like, holy shit, it's the 30th anniversary of Terminator 2. Well, not quite. It was July 3rd, and right now, today's recording is July 25th. But anyways, we're a little late, but uh, I figured it'd be a great topic to discuss, because one of my favorite things to talk with you about is how things that affected me affected you, given our age gap, because I'm, what, like seven, eight years older than you? Yep. So we have this interesting... We share the the nerdiness and the, the passion for nerddom, but... We are separated by this this gap in age, but it's interesting. And I really, I really have fun talking with these with how these things affected you and how they affected me. Yeah. So, that being said, this is Terminator 2: Judgment Day, which was directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron and William Wisher, stars by stars as you all know Arnold Schwarzenegger. Can you spell Schwarzenegger without looking? Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, and a young. A young Robert Patrick, while going back and watching, I was like, man, that was a spry guy back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in exceptional shape for that film. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, you didn't really see it because he he always had the police uniform on, but I was like, man, that was a a young, fit Robert Patrick that we're seeing seeing here, you know? And then Joe Morton, who I thought was interesting, who plays Miles Dyson, who also played Cyborg's father, who was also a scientist, which I just thought thought it was kind of funny, like he was probably type-rolled for that, but... Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure he's played a scientist and other things too, as well. You will always be a scientist the rest of your career. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll get into it, but I felt like he had one of the under underappreciated roles, or maybe he did. Maybe other people did like the way he played. Like, he unknowingly was going to spawn like this end of the world type scenario because of you know what he was working on, and then like that whole scene. We'll talk about it, but I really that's like one of my favorite parts of the movie was him like mentally dissecting that in his head so i'm gonna talk a little bit about the the development and then we can talk a little bit about the box office and then we'll dive into things like just ba- basically what we remember so much about the movie um how it affected you how it affected me i mean what worked what didn't work and then there's some other things i want to you have fun, some fun facts right you're gonna give us right yeah 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 okay cool so uh let's go into the development there's only a few things i wanted to hit on so uh, its development was stalled partly due to technical limitations regarding uh, the computer-generated imagery of the CGI. So they, they, I don't think they were ready or James Cameron was ready to film or finish the movie because the technology wasn't there yet. We saw some of it. I don't remember. You remember the movie The Abyss? Do you remember that movie at all? Yes. yes. Really, really good movie. Really interesting sci-fi movie. And 
I saw a lot of the effects that happened in the abyss almost seemed like it was in Terminator 2. Yeah. Like yeah. With the, the I mean, well, I actually have a fun fact concerning the abyss with this movie. Oh, okay. Do you want to give us now or should we? No, we can, we can wait. We can okay. wait. It's fine. Right. The suspense. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> cool. Um, and then there was actually, so I don't know the origins of this, but there were legal issues that uh, they had issues with. So it was owned by the original producer Hemdale Film Corporation, who controlled half of the franchise's rights. But uh, from what I could gather, they were dealing with some some financial issues with the guy who owned that corporation. So they they ended up selling it to Carolco Pictures, and then is that right? I thought it was Carolco, but anyways, in my notes I have Carolco. Carolco, yeah. Carolco Pictures, and they acquired the rights, and then boom, they were able to start the production, and then um, rest is history. Some of the interesting th- things about the box office. So as a kid, this is why I find it interesting. Because as a kid, my dad, he always let me watch like rated R movies, but he never went to the theaters to see them. So I was always interested looking back to see how these movies did in the box office. So as we said, it released on July 3rd, 1991. It earned a then record of $52 million during its 4th of July five-day opening weekend. The film grossed a record for a Wednesday opener with 11.6 million on its opening day for the traditional three-day weekend, Friday to Sunday. This was interesting to me. The film made $31 million, but it was the second biggest opening weekend of all time at that time after Batman's $42 million opening in 1989. I think people, maybe people don't realize how big Batman was. Batman movies did insanely well in the 90s. Like you made it, it didn't matter if they were shit. Which Batman movie was that? Michael I'm not Keaton, the first one. Michael Keaton. Yep, mm. the original. Huge movie. Like all and it was kind of like a joke in the night. It's like you could make a Batman movie and it would just you, you just take it, it to the bank. Just do good. Yeah. Yep. People, like um, America loves their Batman films. I don't know. I don't know if that's so much true today, but I mean, it was just crazy. And then, I mean, I understand. I'm assuming the craze what felt not only from production crews because uh, Schwarzenegger actually played as in a Batman film as his himself. You know, yeah. he was he played as uh, the Ice, not the good one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not Mister Freeze, not With not the, a good one. The shoulders, yeah, <laughs> the shoulders, the shoulders. Oh, Freeze. So bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But anyways, so Terminator 2, it grossed $520 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing film of 1991. And I don't know if this is true still to this day, but Schwarzenegger's career. And I think that's still true because, I mean, I don't think he's done anything quite as successful, at least monetarily, right? So uh, what do you think about the, the box office stuff and development things? So actually, the box office stuff is interesting because we talk about sequels, right? They're supposed to expand on the fan base that's already established from the original film. So in the original film, we had The Terminator. Now, the box office for the box office earnings for that opening weekend, or actually period, the box office earnings for Terminator 2 Judgment Day surpassed Terminator, the first one's box office earnings, period, in just two days. So oh. not everybody went to the theater to go see Terminator. Like, it was cool, but not everybody went. But as it came out and it was released and people were watching in their homes or watching on cable television, they were saying, oh, there's something here, you know? So then when Terminator 2 came out, there was this hype. And it actually ended up surpassing Terminator, the first one, in just two days. So the film's budget was $102 million, right? It's the highest ever around that time. Mm-hmm. 
The movie earned in Canada and the United States alone around $200 uh, million. For a total of about 520 worldwide. It beat out Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the original Terminator, oh, yeah. only grossed only grossed $38 million in the U.S. in its theatrical run. So in just two days, it was basically either on par or surpassed it with its opening weekend. Just its opening weekend alone. Well, so the original Terminator was kind of like a sleeper hit, like no one knew much about it. Yeah, exactly. And it was like one exactly. of Arnold's like first big films, I think, because uh, yep. he did Hercules in like New York, and then he did... A did it, I didn't think he, he did a couple he other Conan? Yes, that was like his big thing. He did Conan, yeah. and then um, I think this was like his big movie. So, for, even though Terminator Two just completely obliterated everything Terminator One did, it was like even Terminator One there was a lot, there was a lot of anticipation for a sequel, and there was actually dude all those legal. When did the original come out? When did the first one was eighty five, eighty four? I I think it was so. Yeah. so. I mean, you had at least like five or six years there between. Um, between yeah. the sequel there and the original. But right, but so that, like you said, is like a sleeper movie. It slipped in under the radar. People that went to see it were like, wow, this is really good. But like I said, with the hype, right? So people get it in their homes. They get it from rental places. They rent the movie. They have word of mouth people telling me, yo, this movie's really cool. And it did something different. You know, you have this, uh, this uh, humanoid, not humanoid, but this uh, robot that's encased in a muscular exosuit, I guess, or exoskeleton that... Uh, appears like a human and he's camouflaged and he's trying to hunt somebody down it's really kind of like a unique story for the time so, so I, it wasn't really popular and like i'm pretty sure there were pretty people competing like with star wars and stuff like that because i think it came out around the same time like the last episode for that during that time period i don't know when the last uh when episode six came out for star wars but uh, I was say, oh episode six that yeah, I don't know. That was uh, yeah, that was like early '80s. I'm, I always get it mixed up because I'm thinking like six yeah. and prequels. I'm trying to like remember like, God damn it, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Just do uh, it in one direction. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things too that I uh, thinking about the the development of this movie and and some of the actors. One of the actresses we didn't mention was Jeanette Goldstein, who played Janelle uh, John Connor's uh, foster mom. She was Private Vasquez in Aliens. Yep, that's right. So, and I I don't think it ever occurred to me until recently when there were some like... Because they, they look so different. Yeah, well, so there were some there were some drama around that saying that like, because uh, I don't think she's like really any, not really Hispanic, right? And so it was like a white woman playing uh, a Hispanic character and then that kind of came to fruition recently. I mean... She's she's like part she's like one eighth Spanish or Hispanic or something like that. But anyways, that was how I real I read about the story and I was like, holy shit! I was like, that's the same woman in both movies. Like I didn't know that, and yeah. being such a huge fan of both movies, I was like, god damn! Like I didn't find this out till thirty years later. But I thought that yeah. was that was interesting. Not really a fun fact, but just something that I had learned recently. Yeah, that I thought that I was uh, pretty cool. But that um, just goes to show, anyways, since we're talking about money, like the success of this movie, like. You can start off with something small and build your fan base and then evidently or eventually just overturn your prior success completely because it was almost like a 400% increase on revenue over, just on their opening day, over Terminator's theatrical run period. Yeah. You know? but, but that's 
there's also too the fact that I'm not sure I don't remember what the budget was for Terminator One, but Terminator Two was probably astronomically larger. As you already said, it was like at the time the most expensive for any movie at the time. But it's just it's funny because I always think about things like the anticipation for sequels. Like we saw, like with the internet and social media nowadays, like the anticipation for these movies is like it's so prevalent. But back then, you could only you didn't have forums or you know message boards or reddit or twitter to go on there and it was just yeah. you and your friends and talking about it but i remember i remember watching terminator one and seeing that it's actually i believe the correct term would be endoskeleton because he says that in the movie it's endoskeleton um because it's and, on the out right 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 inside, yeah. yep the way he says it in the endoskeleton under something something <laughs> the way he says it and he's explaining it to him but i just find it find it interesting because Speaking of Batman, uh, I think a lot of people were upset that Michael Keaton had got the role of Bruce Wayne, and but there's no there's no chamber, there's no echo chamber for people to yell into, you know, and scream at that time. So it was it wasn't that big of a deal. Some people probably weren't happy with it, but nowadays, like you hire the wrong person or someone that doesn't want someone doesn't like, or if they have like a spotty history, like every it's all over the news. So it's just I thought it was interesting that it was like an anticipated movie. And, but the times were just so different back then that I don't, I don't know if the anticipation was quite like how things are now with sequels. Like with yeah. with Marvel movies, like oh my god, for Endgame, like I was like dying, like I need this now. So yeah, I remember being at NTC and reading like, you know, when you're in a the NTC is the National Training Center. It's the training center that people in the Army go to for like big boy training exercises, right? And so. When you go to the portable latrines, the portable bathrooms, um, people write in there. They write stuff with marker or pencil. They scrape it in the thing. And I remember we went right the weekend that Avengers Endgame opened, right? And so I remember stepping into one of the stalls and, like, starting to read stuff because you entertain yourself while you're in there. Starting to read stuff and, like, seeing, like, Black Widow. And I just immediately just (laughs) avert my eyes. Because the whole thing is covered in it from units that would get there later than you, so they got to go see the movie. Yeah, so I, I mean, people well, people same, don't ha- people didn't have the same access to information that we do now. You know, like you said, like now you can who's going to be in this movie? No, absolutely not. Or yeah, this person should is more perfect than this role for doing it. Blah, blah, blah. People freak out now. Yeah, we saw it with Heath Ledger as the Joker, even myself included. Oh yeah, you know yeah. And so, but it's funny because. I mean, Michael Keaton wound up doing a fantastic job. And then um, we all know Heath Ledger's The Joker is like legendary. Some people may not have liked it specifically, but generally everyone loved his performance as The Joker. So that's why yeah. now I'm always like, I don't know about the hire. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> it's like my go-to for everything now. I don't know about the yeah. hire. Cautiously optimistic. That's what I say. Yeah. So. All right, now I want to get. I kind of want to jump over now. Let's talk about like why we love this movie and all the things that made it made it so good. Uh, I actually kind of want to talk to you about. Do you know about the extended scenes and cut scenes versus the original cut? Did you know about that? So I know that there's extended scenes, and I know that there's supposed to be an alternate ending or an extended ending of some sort. But I have never seen them. I don't own any kind of director's cut or anything like that, so I personally have never seen them. So I don't know anything about extended scenes. I know that they exist. I just personally have never seen them. So, well, fun fact for you, it's on my Plex server, so you can see it. 
It's on there. Is it, is the, ex- it the extended one? Yeah, it just says Terminator 2, but it's actually the extended version. So there'll be scenes in there that you probably... We'll talk a little... Okay, that's cool because we'll talk a little bit about that. I have notes on the extended cut scenes as well. But like I said like I said earlier, you're you're younger than me. And so I think were you... You weren't... You were... I was I was a month old. I would say, yeah, you were... I would say you weren't even... You were born. You were just born. So... Yeah. When did you find out about this movie? And like, so I saw this movie probably when I was around eight or nine years old. Okay, and I saw it in Puerto Rico uh, with my mom and my grandfather. He had we were sitting in his place, and my sister was very young, so she was probably like napping or something. But I watched it. It was my mom, my grandfather, and my uncle. We all watched it, and I, you know, when you're a kid, you're like. Well, not when you're a kid now, because now is different. But like <laughs> when I was a kid around that time, like we had stuff like Beast Wars and Thundercats and these kinds of like big heroic people, you know. And so seeing uh, Terminator, I had not seen the first one at this time. I'd only I'm like watching Terminator. My first experience with Terminator was Judgment Day. I went and saw Terminator later. But I was like so rooting for this uh, for the T one thousand, you know, or the T one hundred. I was so rooting for him. I was rooting for him, and I was petrified of the T one thousand, of this like liquid metal, uh, 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 sentient like killing machine that has no emotions. Just like you're in my way, get out. Like I was petrified of it, and I found it so intriguing, and I thought that it was so cool, and I just like. I remember I had a I remember I had an action figure of the T1000 that you could take his arms off and put the hooks the the shiny metal hooks mm-hmm. or the plates the spikes on his arms and he was like fully poseable I I forget where I got it but it I was had the Arnold one expensive. with his face oh, yeah. like messed up I had yeah the yeah, well, yeah. His, the yeah. Is, yeah I had that toy they have to do that in like every Terminator movie like oh rip half his face off have his eyes exposed. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. You were talking about how you were afraid of the T-1000 because I was the same, probably around the same age as you when I first saw, probably a little bit younger when I saw Terminator 1, but I was terrified of the T-800. Like there is the scene at the end of that movie when he's crawling through, he's already like blown up and he's just the endoskeleton, the rope, right? When he's he's reaching for Kyle and... uh... No, no, no. Kyle had died. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle had died. (laughs) Spoiled for yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Kyle, so Kyle did whatever. It was just her, and that's what made it even think more drawing for me. Is that she's all fucking alone, you know. And but the the I mean, looking back now, the special effects are really cheesy because it's it doesn't look good. The the original scene, but anyways, I was terrified of T eight hundred. That skeleton, the the red eye, and then it like reaching for her and trying to grab her, and then it's and smashing it, whatever. It was just like I was super terrified of the the t-800 at the time for the terminator 2 judgment day my dad so my dad was a big audio guy right he had right. speakers yeah he, he loved the i remember it started with this is this is totally obscure not really truly relevant but anyways it started with my father he mcdonald's had the original indiana jones movies on vhs right and you can get them for a fair price at the time i don't even know why they were doing this from McDonald's? Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, the, the, it was only like a limited time or whatever. And so I remember my dad, because my dad even, he had a beta system. He had a beta player in his in his bedroom. So he had beta in there. So he, was, he was an audio video guy. He even subscribed to a magazine. 
But anyways, I remember he had bought these movies, and I was like, my dad, and he recorded everything on VHS, right? Like, anything that came on, a movie we liked, he would record it. And I remember asking my dad, like, why why are you buying these? You already had them recorded. And he was like, the quality is way, way better than a recording from... And then that started his home theater system. I mean, he... It's, I mean... He passed away like two years ago. He still has like some awesome speaker systems in the house. Like when I went to go visit earlier, he still had, my mom still has them there. I was like, can I take these? <laughs> you know, but he in, so he got a Laserdisc player, right? So for those who don't know, Laserdisc was sort of like CDs for movies, but as big as a record. And it was crazy because the movies were, took up a side of those discs. So you had to like flip it midway through to get the other one. But it had chapters like DVDs did later. You, you everyone probably remembers DVDs because that was like what, that was like the prelude to them. But we're talking about, this is eighties. This is like late eighties, early nineties. And so it was the best picture quality you could get. And now coming back to the, what I was talking about, that was his first laser disc that he got was Terminator. Terminator. 2. Yep. Nice. Terminator two. And I remember you remember the scene at the beginning of the movie when that damn T-800 crushes that skull? Oh, yeah. So loud. It scared yep. the crap out of us because I just remember. And then every time my friends would come over and we would like watch it with my friends, I'd be like, hey, 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 And then it would scare the crap out of them. <laughs> but, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just like, and that was like, we would watch it all the time. It was like that movie and Braveheart. Eight-year-old me watching Braveheart or however old I was. Yeah, that's a fucking brutal movie too. But yeah, it is. So that was like my foray into to Terminator Two, and it just and it, it hit everything that I loved, like as far as sci-fi is concerned, you know. And it it I was a young teenage, well, not quite a teenage boy. I was a young boy who, um, you know, I related to John because he liked video games. You know, he wanted to go. He was like going to be this war. Uh, general, great military leader, and all these things, and that's like you know, as a kid, as you're a little boy, that's kind of like what you want to do, you know, like you want to go do the military. But my dad was in the Marines, and so just that we would we watched the movie all the time, which is something that my dad and I shared. So it was like one of the things that just was like it was like special to me. It was like I know we talked about this on a Discord. That was something to me that it extended beyond the media, right? So right. it was something that just went beyond the media, and that. I loved everything about it. Even going back and watching it this week, I watched it like twice this week. It was just so much fun to go back. And, it, and then we'll talk about about how you watch it with your kids or your family. No, no one. At my my son wouldn't be interested. Funny, funny enough, we watched uh, we watched some of Ricky Bobby last night <laughs> in Talladega Nights, wow. and so my son actually thought that was pretty funny. So, but no, he wouldn't. I mean, he might get, catch it, but he's more into like. Uh, we watched what was it, 1917? So he likes war movies and things like that. So he, we watched that and he enjoyed that. So yeah, that's that was like what why it was special for me. So so moving on, what why did the movie like what worked for you? Like when you were when you originally watched it, like okay, so 100 percent the story itself to me is very intriguing. Right now. I know I didn't know then, but why it works now, why it worked when it came out and people were so taken aback is because now the villain or the villain that was portrayed is now the hero, you know? And so I feel like that helped flip the script enough to make it successful. And the action was unparalleled amazing. Every single scene that's involving shooting, fighting, 
was just expertly crafted, in my opinion. And I feel like the film itself, if you watch it without seeing Terminator, it's it it will make sense and it, it's it's easy to follow. There's no like, oh, you have to see the first one. That just gives you like a reference point to understand this universe. But this sequel, because of how it's written, I feel like that's what makes it successful. There's no real like you have to watch the first one because the whole thing with Sarah Connor that's explained in the film. So there's well, yeah, no they do real... it in the beginning. They just basically exactly. say a, a, yep. was sent in the, you know, a machine was sent in the past to it's kill me before. Exaggerated. You know. Yeah. 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 You really so, didn't really need it. You really didn't need, you're right. You didn't need to see the original to get caught up. And I, I mean, even, even back then, I don't even think the original, yeah, it was Terminator two was just a far superior movie just in general and every aspect, not that there was anything wrong with Terminator. I think Terminator, was like groundbreaking for sci-fi like the the originality of that movie of like time travel the way they did time travel and then the way they did uh cyborg type stuff like that i mean it screams 80 80s but it was just james cameron just did it in a way that i felt like very original for for the time and they just expanded upon that with terminator 2 in such a magnificent way and then like i mean every you're right Action sequences are so great. Like, there's so many memorable scenes, like the the semi truck or the giant tow truck chasing John in the yeah. in the cul de sac or not cul de sac, but the um I forgot what they're called, whatever. And the what is it called? Why is it escaping me? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> what being chased? Okay, John on his John on his uh when he was dirt bike through the, through the the dirt bike when uh. The T-800 is coming through the back hallways of the mall and he has the shotgun in the rose box mm-hmm. and he flips that open like nobody. I don't think <laughs> has that ever been shown in any other form of media. The rose after that before that. I don't think I've ever seen that. No, that was an interesting shot that they went to him stepping on that on that rose. And I still I was trying to think about I was thinking about that this week and I was like, I still don't know what that would be symbolic of. But. I just thought that was a beautiful shot of him walking. All that stuff happened in slow-mo, and then that poor guy. Yeah, he pulls it out. He racks the whole shotgun out yeah. of the box, and the roses fly out. Oh, yeah. my God. All in slow-mo. Like, yeah. <laughs> but then that poor guy in there gets shot up by the T- T-1000 by the pistol. He says, yeah. hey, what are you doing? Pop, 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 pop. That was an yeah. interesting sound, though. I wonder why they went with that pistol sound. Do you notice that? So, so believe it or not, in confined spaces... Pistols have don't have that much echo, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, though. It might be because it was blank ammunition and they recorded the actual sound of blank ammunition. Because he's That's... not too close. It's not like CGI. You know, they probably just kept the sound of the pistol. That's in, That's interesting. But I felt like throughout the movie, even if it wasn't in confined spaces, it still was like this weird sound that James Cameron just liked that was different than we were used to. Like we've seen all kinds of action movies as kids and it was just like one of these like, I don't know, to me, not that there was anything wrong with it. I just, it's always, every time I hear it, it was almost like, I want to say iconic, but synonymous with the movie. You know what I mean? Like you hear that sound. No other movie has that sound for pistols as far as I can recall. It was very different. And it's interesting you said that because I've never heard blanks being fired from any type of hand or any type of pistol i've heard them from m16s m4s 
when I was in the military, yeah. but I was I wasn't a combat unit. But um, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen, I've I've seen a bunch of I've shot blanks before, like even the the kind that they fire in film, and they're very reduced uh, noise. It's more for like the effect, you know. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the action. You know <laughs> what really worked was man the music, dude. At least the yeah. the main theme song of that, and I remember watching the song on YouTube. I, I don't know what the video was, but it was the song. And someone made a comment like, "There, are women, women cry to Titanic, men cry to this." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's so on point." Because like you had this like relationship built up so well with John Connor and so much emotion in that song. I mean, you have to see the movie. I think. I mean, the song is great in its own right, but when you couple that with yeah. the the movie and the attachment he had with with the with Arnold or the T eight hundred, and then him spoiler dying at the end of Terminator two, sacrifice himself so that way Cyberdyne will never be created. Man, that was just I was like a kid watching that, trying so hard not to cry. I like because my dad was with me. I didn't, you know, I don't want to cry for my dad. You know, I'm just, it was just so powerful for me. Like that, God, that that song, and then that relationship between Arnold was subtle like it wasn't like in our face throughout the entire movie but they just had subtle scenes like with him doing the the high five you remember that when he was like yeah he's like up high down low too yeah. slow and in the face yeah. he makes like oh my god it's just so funny so like, <laughs> yeah when he tries to when he teaches him to smile and stuff yeah yeah that's actually not in the original cut really yes see so, i didn't know that yeah I have the whole thing. Uh, I have the whole thing here. Thank you to Screen Rant. Drop a credit to Screen Rant. I went back because I couldn't remember all of them, so I'll, we'll go over those here next. But yeah, I just thought that and the whole story, the play on future and how it affects how if the past affects the future. Like I don't know why the '80s was really big with that, but it it showed itself in the in the '90s. But the storyline of I was like as a kid, I was like I want to see. The, the resistance sending T, the T1, T-800 back to the past. I wanted to see that as a movie as a kid. So I don't know. I didn't see the one with Christian Bale. Did you see that one? I heard it was terrible, so I never watched it. Yeah, it doesn't... Uh, nothing happens in the past. Right. It's all future, but was it's there any future. anything that... Did any, in that, anything in that movie like allude so the to mo- the resistance? The, the, mo- and the movie... Yeah. Okay, so that yeah. was the movie. Was I'm sending the T eight hundred back and pat into the past? Well, it's not. It's not the T eight hundred. It's not the T eight hundred. It's a different. It's a different uh, kind of uh, uh, entity. That's like half. He's literally bred. No, I'm saying he, he, th- he thinks he's a human and I, he acts like it, and okay. they don't know that he's a robot until later. It's not like it's not like Dark Fate where this chick like she knows that she's enhanced a, an enhanced person right but I'm what I'm saying is they didn't talk or show the mission that sent Arnold back in T2 right that's what I was wondering in that movie correct okay because that's what yeah. I was a kid I was like I wanted to see that that almost yeah. like we got with Rogue One we got to see the how they found that's the secret uh the plans. The, right. The plans and how they were able to find the weakness and how the weakness was actually supposed to be there in the Death Star. So, because yeah. like, that was a big gripe that a lot of people have were like, oh, like, here's like the, one the, shot. The design flaw was on yeah. purpose. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, they never, that was never touched on until Rogue One came out. But 
as a kid, I really wanted wanted to see that. Yeah, I I think I saw bits and pieces of that one, and I didn't really. Dark Fate was. I enjoyed Dark Fate, and, I, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end because I want to talk about the movies stuff that happened afterwards. So, so the T, the special effects also for its time, I thought blew me away. You yeah, know? like the whole time I'm thinking in my head, like, how do they do this? Like, how how is this possible? What, yeah. did you, what did you think about the special just, effects? Just the even the practical effects were on point. Um, I remember when he has to when he rips his skin off of his arm. Oh my god, that's. I mean, you can now when you watch it as an adult and you're a little more cynical, especially now you can see that he has that like he has like some kind of device underneath his shirt, you know. But when he first does it, I remember him like just. Just rip out! Oh my god! Yeah. Like freaking out. The way it sounds very, too. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very rippy. Oh, listen <laughs> to me very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but man. um, overall though, even some of the practical effects, I know that there's a lot a big focus on. That's why production was halted and waited on because there was some legal issues. But also, they're waiting for uh, computer uh, for CGI stuff. But there were some of the practical effects that were like super cheesy and out of place and super noticeable, like when the T one thousand has bullet impacts, but it's just like a piece of like chrome plated like foam that's just glued to his chest, and when he moves, it like bounces with him. Like that was kind of weird, but overall, like it still does its job. You know, you're not looking at that stuff the first time you watch it. So that comes with like the third or fourth, maybe the fifth time that you're seeing it. You're like, ah, it's kind of weird. Just moving kind of funky. <laughs> yeah. the That's what I was going to say is I think the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about how it stood the test of time after all these all these years. And so for me, the special effects, some of the special effects, you know, like when him walking through the the. I want to say jail cell, but the yeah, the bars, the this bars, the the bars, yeah, yeah, at the the crazy people hospital, wherever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a, it's just like a security door, right? And he walks through that that, or when he pulls the the metal bar out from his side, like today's standard, that doesn't really hold up very well. But the way they melded the practical effects with the 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 CGI I thought was really well done that it actually stood time really well. Like if you go back and watch this movie now, I still found it super entertaining. It wasn't yeah. immersion breaking for the most part for me with the special effects. Even when he walks out after the, the truck blows up, you know, the typical <laughs> blow, blowing he's up. Like, he's like all melty. Yeah. yeah. He just like reforms. Like that doesn't look bad. It like, it doesn't look bad. For the time, for the time, it's like superb, right? Like this superb special effects. You watch that, you know, in 1991 and you're like, whoa, like it blows you away. You know, it's super special. But now I guess people could be now if you watch it and you're used to effects now, you're probably like, man, they could have done better than that. Well, actually, no, we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. See, I don't I don't I'd be interested to know anyone that, you know, was born like. Their twenty, anyone in their twenties now, and watching what they thought because I feel like that the that's, special effects. You and I were both kids. That's right. Yeah, I felt like, and you still saw it. I mean, you saw it at a young age. I mean, you probably saw it around eight to ten years after it already came out. I, I 
think today's standards that the it holds up pretty well. Like they do things where when he stabs the guy at the end of the movie, when the guy that's in the uh, semi truck is like, "Hello," and then he comes out and he like stabs him. They just show the knife stick out his back, like you know. They or when he um hits Sarah Connor in her shoulder with the finger pointer, uh, the the pointy finger in her in her shoulder. They don't really show that. You just know it goes inside her shoulder, you know. And then you could see it after he's like twisting and stuff. So I felt I felt that they just did a good job with the maybe, I, yeah, movie I think, magic. Yeah, I feel like James Cameron knew that maybe he had to do this in order for this movie to hold up, and then. And speaking of things that work so well, the we're talking about special effects, like the whole atomic bomb scene. Yeah. Or in the beginning scene in, in the future battle, that's that was all done with miniatures. So I have another fun fact, but <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. All right, we'll we'll hold off on that. But I remember watching as a kid, seeing the beginning scene after the T eight hundred slams on that skull with his foot. And then you and it zooms in on his head and he turns. Like, How did they shoot that? I was like, and I found out later that was all miniatures. And the same thing, the scene with the the atomic bomb blowing up. But that was also a horrifying scene as a kid watching that. Like that terrified me. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, um, like when she just she's holding onto the fence mm-hmm, and just blows. Yeah, yeah like she's like screaming. Oh, it was a, such a yeah. like terrifying scene, but just like like oh my god, this is amazing quality. You know? So yeah. I remember being a kid and like watching it with, like I said, with my uncle and he was the one that was really like into it. I remember the scene when the T-1000 blends through the bars, right? And him literally grabbing me and be like, watch this, watch this. And me going like, oh, what's going to happen? And then he like goes through the bars and he was like, oh my God. Like, so, and he was a little, he was way older. He was like in his late twenties when that happened. So I'm assuming there's your answer to, to whether people were like, and this was already like eight, nine years after it had released, and he was still like, "Oh my god!" Like he found it so cool. So I'm, I guess, there's your answer to how it affected people sometime after that already knew well, that it was like CGI. I'm one of people that were born in the late '90s, early 2000s that have seen it now. Like, you know what I mean? I wonder what I don't want to say these kids, but I wonder like the younger people nowadays, nerds, think about the film now. I'm just curious because, yes. I mean, you hold it up to today's special effects, it, it's not really going to hold up, but it's still pretty good. You know, it's still yeah, like... I think it's a. I think it's still mo- a pretty good movie. Right, because you know, like, you can go back and watch, like, episode one. Like, you go back and watch episode one now, that special, the CGI just looks really crappy. just looks bad. Because they tried too hard. Yeah, I mean... Like, it's going to be so cool to use CGI for this and this and this, and we're like, oh, God. Right, and it does. it doesn't age well is what basically right. and then it kind of detracts from the movie itself i mean I, a lot of people hate phantom menace and i i understand why but i feel like that could break you know could have broken terminator 2 and then what i wanted what i'm trying to say is i think james cameron knew this i don't know if anyone's ever asked him this question but i think he knew that that the technology wasn't quite where he wanted it so he used more practical effects to to do it um, successfully i mean he did a, a wonderful job the yeah. whole crew did a wonderful job with this film yeah so one of the other things uh, that i want to talk about that worked were some of the lines in the movie and so we talked like some we touched on some relationship but like the one scene where he's like when he ta- he like john calls his foster mom and she's like why don't you come home i'm making beef stew he's like something's wrong she's never this nice and then he starts talking to what's the dog's name <laughs> and he goes because uh max and he goes what's wrong with wolfie 
And then he goes, oh, Woofie's fine, honey. Woofie's fine. And he hangs up the phone. He goes, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> Just yeah. like, no, like, <laughs> like no emotion. Like, well, shit. Yeah, that's the way he is, you know? That's the way it's the, it's, he's a robot. Right. I know. But it's such a great, to me, that's why it's such a great scene. It's just because he is a robot. It's played so well. Like, it's such a traumatic. If you think about any in real world scenario, that'd be so traumatic. And it's just like, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> and then yeah. when he. I mean, I guess, I guess there's the, like, they're established, like, the whole, like, the dynamic of, with why that's so cold is because, like, I guess he didn't really like them to begin with. It's, yeah. You know? Because he knows that his mom is in, you know, the institution, and those are his his foster parents. Like, he knows that. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's not his real... He knows that he's, like, yeah, he's a foster child. But, I mean, still, like, I mean, you know, like, that's your foster parents. I'm sure they're, you know, they had to have some good times. I don't know. No, they had they had to do something, and I guess they just, like, wrote it and, like, yeah, we'll figure I it mean, out. I mean, I was fine with it. I'm not complaining at all by any... Yeah. I just thought the scene was so, like... Fuck, man. It was yeah, just, he like, just, so he just good. hangs up. Your family is yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the way he did the whole... The way the line is delivered, the whole scene. It was just such a great scene. It was one of my favorite scenes. Like, when he finds... <laughs> when he was, like... Right after that, he was like, we gotta go save my mom. He's like, no. And he's, like, holding him. <clears throat> and then... He was like, let me go. He lets me go. And he's like, why did you do that? Because he told me to. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, yeah. little things like that I thought were just like, I don't know. When he I tells just, him he can't just kill people and he starts why? shooting everybody in the leg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> because you just can't. Why? <laughs> you just can't. Oh, man. There's just so many moments in that movie or when, or when uh, Sarah Connor sees the t-800 and she starts running away she's just like screaming like no no and like i don't know those moments is what really like did it for me and then like his i guess his relationship with the t-800 but all right so before we jump into fun facts i'm gonna go and pull up these the, i remember this because my we found out about this my dad actually bought another laser disc which was like this is before this is what's crazy is this was before there were special editions and i mean there was like the blade runner director's cut I think that was like sort of a big thing, but there really wasn't much done like this at the time. And then they re they released the special edition or it was, I think it was called the special edition. I I know my dad still had them at the house, but there's a scene. So there's a scene where Sarah Connor got Sarah Connor was abused by the orderlies. So right. that was not in the original cut mm. that scene. Then there's the dream scene, which so for the record, I was I prefer the original cut. I feel like it flowed a little bit better. That's just my thing. But <clears throat> so Sarah Connor was visited by Kyle Reese. That scene in her dream that was not in the original yep. cut. Um, the scene where the T one thousand kills the dog that was not in the original cut. Now this scene was kind of cool. So the scene where they pull the chip out of his head to turn on his learning ability that wasn't in the original cut. If you can believe it or not. Which is pretty crazy, right? The whole was the original movie. He's just like, so you can learn, and he's just basically like, yeah, I can learn. And that's when they talk about killing and, and things like that. But so, and what's crazy in that scene, they actually had it wasn't a mirror; it was actually just a window. And they had what's her name's? I keep wanting to say Linda Blair, but Linda Hamilton's twin sister is actually on the other side there. Right. When they cut, when they cut over, it's actually her. And then they show her her twin sister. So it's just an interesting scene. And I, I, I'm surprised they actually cut it out because there's so much probably went into making that scene. Oh, yeah. 
And as we said, the T-800 learns to smile, which is a funny scene. I just thought it was kind of dumb. I didn't like that, but it was, I guess it was funny. That was in the original cut. Then the Dyson family vacation scene, which didn't really add much to the movie. That was not in the original. And then talk about fear. And then there was, so there was the scene in the lab when Miles Dyson gets the axe. He like kind of goes crazy and he starts talking to himself. That was not in the original cut. And then a few things at the end. Remember when the T-1000's feet like started looking funny? He was starting, he was like losing it a little bit. Yeah. And that's how he noticed Sarah Connor. That was not in the original, uh, in the original uh, cut. So that, that was only, that was only one. Do you have any thoughts? I'll have to, I have to check out this extended stuff. What is it? What does he do in the dream? Um, Michael Bean. Cause you said he reprises the role of Kyle Reese, but what, what does he tell her? Uh, he's basically telling her that she can still stop the future from happening. And, uh, to stay strong, and then, yeah. So just and, some motivational mumbo-jumbo? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. She's, like, so happy, and she's, like, kissing him and stuff. And, and then, like, yeah. It wasn't in the original cut, but I thought that was kind of cool. Those were scenes not in the extended cut. All right, what fun facts you got? Okay, so, talking about the abyss, right? So, in the scene where they're at the gas station in the station wagon, she's coming out. Linda Hamilton, she's coming out. You can see mm-hmm. on the pumps the logo for Benthic Petroleum. Benthic Petroleum is the company that owns the drilling rig from the Abyss. Interesting. I did yeah. not know that. That is a fun yeah. fact. I like that one. The, lo- the logo is on the pump, the gas pump. Next fast fact, uh, fun fact that I have is that the mall where the Terminator descends, the two Terminators descend on John, where they're mm-hmm. in the, the arcade, right? That's Santa Monica Place. Uh, so the exterior of that mall was actually used in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ooh. Um, so, movie. yes, absolutely. In the beginning, where they show the dystopian, everything's burned, all the cars, and they have that scene of it panning over and all the destruction. A lo- you said some of that was miniature, right? Or just the scene? I want to say most, if not all, of that was miniature. Okay, so the opening war scene was shot at a demolished steel plant in Fontana. On the outskirts of San Bernardino, the twisted bikes, burned out cars, and blackened cinders are debris from a Universal Studios fire in 89 when a disgruntled security guard torched the back lot of the place. All of that wow. stuff is real, is real prop. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's not real prop. It's, it's real like stuff that caught fire during that incident. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Man, that must have been one pissed off guy. <laughs> Do something yep. like that. I want to know more about that story now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Marvel actually adopted a comic series that was only three parts. And it covers the entire sequence, basically, of the film, just in a comics, uh, just in a comic book sense. But they haven't really, like, gone up in value. They had a limited run. Mm. Okay. My next thing, right, is the Terminator ride, which is Terminator 2 3D, Battle Across Time, which I think is in Universal Studios. I've been on it. It's it's only 12 minutes long. That is the most expensive 12 minutes of all time. Because every cast member that's in it reprised their role. They didn't use any kind of CGI or anything to reprise them. They came in and shot all the all that all the all that film just for the ride. And that just the film alone, not the construction for the ride, just the film alone cost 60 million dollars. Holy crap! That's that just, is a lot. Just for that. those twelve minutes. I'm sure they re- they made that up though. Now I don't even know if it's still there, but I I vaguely I did go on that ride, and I just remember as a kid, 
they like these two people are pretending to be from Cyberdyne systems or whatever, and they're talking to all of us like and like yeah. up in this balcony. And then all of a sudden, like this like cutscene like shows up of like John Connor and Sarah Connor, and like don't do this blah blah blah, and it cuts away, and then they they like nervously laugh, and I was just like, hey, it was like dead quiet. I was like, who were those yeah. people? Like, yeah, and then we just started busting out laughing. <laughs> you know, I was a little twelve year old so, jerk. There was, uh, so Robert Patrick, right? When we're talking about phenomenal shape, he had to endure a extremely rigorous running regime in order to maintain high speeds without showing fatigue. He had to actually train for that. None of that is oh, wow. movie magic. He's actually sprinting. And that uh, poker face that he's got while he's sprinting, that's his <laughs> actual like physical ability keeping him in check. That's exactly then, how I looked when I ran my two-mile in the... Yeah, in, in and the... then... <laughs> <laughs> and th- just angry, just yeah. like there's the end. <laughs> 13, 13 minutes. Yeah, um, yep. So, uh, and then Linda Hamilton trained for six days a week for 13 weeks, three hours a day with judo and heavy military techniques um, and maintained a no-fat diet. Uh, She ended up losing 12 pounds. That's why she looks absolutely shredded in the film. I mean, I guess guess it plays out because she's like, I guess she's like supposed to be in this mental institution where I'm assuming they don't, I'm assuming they don't feed her very well. Um, but because of how punishing it was, she refused to reprise her role in T3, which she was supposed to reprise. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, the... Ah. The Cameron, the, uh, the dog named Wolfie, is actually in... The dog, not the dog named Wolfie, right? But the name Wolfie comes from James Cameron's actual dog, whose name is Beowulf, and they call him Wolfie for short. Oh, okay. uh, the twins from the two guards. Remember the T one thousand takes over possession of a guard yep. and imitates them. Those are actually two twins. I remember Those that because they were in a commercial. Yep. I remember what commercial it was, but they were in a commercial. Well, not only that, Don and Dan Stanton. Those are their names. They also appear in Good Morning Vietnam as the uh, orderly room clerks, uh-huh. and they also appear in Gremlins two. That's probably why I remember them because I remember yeah. watching those movies with my father. Yeah, I don't remember T1- them. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this, but that's probably why I remember them being twins. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a couple things. The T-1000 was originally supposed to be played by Billy Idol. Uh, all the storyboarding included uh, Billy Idol's likeness, but he was in a motorcycle accident, so he couldn't do it. Um, and then... And that would have been one... So, so check this out this is actually this is actually really interesting so it's supposed to originally be billy idol right yeah but because he couldn't do it because of his motorized cycle accident they thought about getting uh bean the character that played uh kyle reese Mm -hmm. but they dropped it because they thought it would be too confusing for fans because he played the hero prior and there wouldn't there wouldn't be a lot of build-up i thought it would have worked but i guess i mean it all works out in the end um i mean that'd be one hell of a way to like Flip the script, Sarah yeah. Connor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did literally flipped the script. Yeah, because you'd have yeah. him as the bad guy, and yeah. Um, the film's producer Mario Cassar gave Arnold Schwarzenegger a Gulfstream Three, which is a private plane, costing fourteen million dollars. He just gifted it to him for his role in the film. The D one three four, which is a minigun that uh, the T eight hundred holds and fires down at the police officers, is the exact same prop minigun from terminator like the prop 
Wait, um, what? From Terminator? What do you mean? I'm sorry, from Predator. Predator. My bad. My bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. okay, okay. Yeah, I, that, I didn't know that. The one that Ventura holds? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. I know what you're talking about now. I didn't know that that was actually the same. That's the same, physically the same one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got two more. Okay. That's it. So Linda Hamilton, right, during the scene in the elevator when she fires off a couple of rounds at the T-1000, she forgot to put her, her ear protection back in, her plugs, <sighs> and actually, to this day, is still suffering from permanent hearing damage. What, what scene was actually, that? Which scene? So there's an elevator scene. Yeah, yeah, okay, no, talking about with the with, shootout, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah, yeah gotcha. So she for, she took them out to because I guess they did a, an in between take. She took them out to talk and forgot to put them back in. They did the scene again, and she went through with it, but now she suffers permanent hearing mm. loss because of it. That's so that's even rough. though they were just blanks, it's still loud. Now so, I guess the, here's something I never noticed it. I found out reading about these right, the T one thousand in the scene where he's piloting the helicopter. Right, because yeah, he he yeah. pilots a helicopter. He actually, it's kind of hard to see because it's it's in passing. It's very quick. He has four arms. He has two arms uh, controlling the uh, helicopter, and then one arm is working the window, and then his other arm is holding a pistol. It's very hard to notice, but you can see like pictures and stills of it. But I guess if you watch it over again, when they pan over scenes of him flying the helicopter. He's wearing, uh, he has a, a double set of arms underneath here, like Goro. <laughs> that, that's, that's very interesting because I remember yeah. seeing that scene and I was like, oh, how is he shooting and flying the helicopter and doing all this stuff at the same time? But that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I, yeah. But the, it's never really, I, I wish that they would have expanded on that whole multiplying limbs thing in like a more, uh, in more of a, a terrifying sense because he just uses it to pilot the helicopter and multitask like it would have been cool if he's when they're fighting if he an arm comes out and like hits him like you know it, i feel like that would have been a cool moment to see four hands not like the three seconds where they pan over him flying the helicopter yeah yeah maybe they just didn't i'm sure it was thought about i'm sure it was and they just maybe it was just too difficult to to do at the time like during a fight yeah. like i'm thinking now as they're fighting hand to hand like in that hallway or at the end of the movie he can just have more limbs more appendages come out and then like you know wrap them up and then just thorough pound them you know like <clears throat> but yes yeah. you know you were talking about not wearing your, your ear protection or what um linda hamilton did it in that scene i remember so when you're firing weapons, you know this. Like you should really wear them because they are loud. <clears throat> and when I was in basic training, that happened to me. I forgot to put them back in my ear. And we were doing a live fire exercise with blanks, mind you. But they were using the two four nine. I want to say that was mounted on the Humvee, and I was right underneath it, like like in Blackhawk Down. That's what I felt like, and it was so loud. Like I had yeah. ringing in my ears for days. But luckily, I haven't suffered from tinnitus. But um, I can only imagine being in a freaking uh, elevator. So it's, it's it's the sound, right? But at the same time, it's also the enter the barrier of sound that is pushed. Yeah. And then if so, with her situation, the sound barrier, right? It's broken, and then that sound reverberates back, and then you feel that pressure back on your ears, and it just it's just really it's it's not a good look. Not yeah. being able to hear and constantly hearing bee is not good. You know. No. Nope. Uh, yeah, take care of your take care of your hearing. 
That's that's all. That's my advice for yeah. Because you can't. It's not. You can't be healed. You have like these little hairs in your or sensors in your eardrums. Once they're damaged, you can't heal them. There's nothing that can be done. Well, was that the last one? Um, I guess I have. So in the nude scene, when he walks in the bar and he's yeah. naked, he's actually wearing these horrifically hideous like board shorts, and. <laughs> Uh, 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 somebody who was not an extra managed to wander onto the bar set and she was like, what the heck's going on? Because everybody's <laughs> standing around with cameras and he's just standing there in his board shorts and Arnold Schwarzenegger actually told her, oh, it's male stripper night. <laughs> As, but she was not associated with the film at all. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> male stripper night. Um, well, those are, those are good, man. I didn't know about the majority of those. those are, that's, that's good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, I think we've talked about everything that we can talk about, um, at least in my opinion. Do you have any any things you that we missed before we say our final thoughts? Um, I like the baby one thing. I feel like it's the best out of all the Terminator films, and I appreciate the fact that uh, Dark Fate retconned everything <laughs> after between it and uh, and Termin- and Judgment Day. Basically, everything becomes irrelevant except for these two you know, movies now. Dark okay. Fate was good. I yeah. like Dark Fate. So I don't know if you enjoyed it. I like Dark Fate for the most part. There, I, from what I remember, it's been a while since I watched it. I saw it like years ago, a couple years ago when it first came out. I liked the route that they took. The robots from the future were fucking brutal with their tentacles and stuff. Like they were terrifying. I didn't think I wasn't really big on the chick being the leader. But I love the female Terminator. That was fucking badass. Like that yeah. that movie had some, and the whole, the whole like turn with like the T eight hundred becoming like this weird like I don't know. That was like a Family really man. Yeah, that yeah. was so weird to me. Because I of his learning processor, man. Yeah. Like they don't know I'm a robot. It's been forty that, years. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm with you. I so I didn't see that one. I did like Terminator three, even though it wasn't like I definitely wasn't up to snuff as like Terminator two. I would say, you know, Dark Fate was better than that, and I'm glad that they did retcon that. And I heard bad things about the the Christian Bale one. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't. The like Christian that. Bale one. What happens is that it takes the story and the universe and just pushes it so far out. It's a good movie objectively. If it was not a Terminator movie, then it would be good. I just remember him. Effects, I thought they were good. The worst thing about it is that Arnold did not reprise his role at all, and he's completely CGI'd. I was going to say, I remember they had a young Arnold at the end. Yeah, and he's massive. He's a massive individual. Well, yeah, they took his, like, Atlas or whatever, his bodybuilding. He's, like, Thanos-sized, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember watching that on, like, probably, like, Basic Cable or something when it came on, but I wasn't a fan. But, yeah, I'm with you, Dark Fate was good. I'm glad you brought that up because that was an interesting interesting question. And James Cameron, actually, I think, was a producer on that movie. Yeah. And I believe the guy who directed that movie did the first Deadpool. He actually turned down Deadpool 2 to do that movie, if I remember correctly. That's uh, but yeah. Well, all right. So I have nothing else to add. I think that's the last thing to add. I'll let you close out with your final thoughts and then I'll say mine. Wrap this baby up. I think that the Judgment Day, it stands the test of time. It's it's a classic. It's a cult classic film. I don't think it's gonna go anywhere. I'm I'm probably gonna watch it with my kid now. Literally, probably today. Um, I'm gonna see. I want to like to see his reaction because he's used to like these upscaled CGI stuff, and he's he's starting to branch out into more like 
grown-up movies, you know? So I feel like it's time. The time has come. So I'm looking forward to that. But overall, I feel, especially being a nerd that's my age and a nerd that's your age, it's a pivotal film in sci-fi, and it expands your understanding of how sci-fi works and how you think and perceive time travel, how you perceive uh, cybernetic organisms, you know? So... I think that it did a good job mixing its CGI and its uh, practical effects. It didn't um, overwork them to the point where I felt like it was too much and it just shot the whole movie down. It was a good blend of, of, of both. And that's why I think that the movie stands the test of time, in my opinion, and it will continue to do so for years and years and years to come. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't have any, any issues with anything you just said. I think the the practical effects mixed with some of the CGI still it worked and it's and it stood the test of time in that aspect of it. The story is not complicated really. You're I mean, it, it's you're just going back in time. It's it's like a it's it's a hero story, you know, and a protection story, right? I mean, you're throwing time travel into it, but really you're just journeying to some other place to save somebody and protect them. And so there's really not a whole lot going on in this movie story-wise that was like truly groundbreaking outside maybe the time travel stuff. What I did find interesting is our take on time travel. So in the 80s, like with Back to the Future and everything, everything was, you do something in the past, it affects the future. But as we see now, that's not so true. It's like we saw with Tomorrow War, Endgame, um, and a few others out there. Like you, Just because you can't change, you can't change the past because it already happened is basically like what we say. So I thought I just find that interesting that their take on it. But my th- thinking, looking back on this film, it was like ahead of its time. They're talking about neural net processors, which was radically new at that time, which is very common now. Yeah. Like I was when he was talking about that, and that was actually in the deleted scene where they were cutting. He was like, "My neural net processor is turned off, so I can't communicate with Cyberdyne systems, or I can't think, whatever." And so I thought that was really interesting. I thought a lot of the technology stuff was ahead of its time. And the fact that James Cameron and the writers and the producers were thinking about this, because now AI is so prevalent, you know, our fear of AI is so big because of movies like this, but I think it's warranted to a certain extent. So yeah. I just think that I think the best way to sum it up is I, th- I, I think the movie was ahead of its time in, in that regard when it comes to sci-fi. But it's it's an amazing movie. It was everything about it is just like just, just perfection when it comes to sci-fi action, in my opinion. Like you you'll never be able to convince me otherwise. And you're talking to eight nine year old me anyway. <laughs> but <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> we talk about like Goonies. We went back and watched Goonies, and it's like, eh, okay, yeah, it's okay now, you know. But I go back and watch Terminator Two. I still love it. So yeah. definitely stands the test of time. That's the last thing. That's the last thing I got on on Terminator 2. Love the movie and I'm still interested if any of you are fairly young tell us in the Discord or on Twitter or on the website cuz there's a comment section. What do you what did you think about Terminator if you're in your 20s? I'm curious to know. What do you think about Terminator 2? What does it mean going back and watching that movie knowing what you've seen already cuz we saw it at a different time when special effects were very different. So, I'm just curious to know. But that being yeah. said, Metal Gear. Okay, I said it. Okay, I said it. I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait and see if you're gonna put put. Uh, uh, there's got to be a Metal Gear reference in there somewhere, but I don't know. Uh, we I couldn't got... find what. Oh, there is. Uh, Kyle Reese's likeness is used for the artwork in Metal Gear One on Super Nintendo. Okay. Uh... Boom. Done. Metal Gear reference. Yep. 
There we have it. All right. That's well, right. Josh, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, really, really love doing these these retro Sunday fun days. So that being said, uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I'll catch yep. you later. Yep. You too, brother. Everybody, see you later. Don't be shitty.